2022. And tomorrow is going to be New Year's Eve morning, 2023. Praise God. And uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to feel the presence. Man, I'll tell you what, that just was really, really, really good tonight. The Holy Ghost is in this place in a tremendous way. I want to talk to you for just a little bit. Amen. And, um, but I feel like the Holy Ghost has just done so much here already tonight. Praise God in the spirit. Amen. And uh, I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight. And then we're going to go into some communion and some burning away some old past and getting into some new. The new year is a, a, a time in which most people have what they call New Year's resolutions, where they get away with the old and start with the new. I don't know about you, but I like new things. Amen. Uh, this this year, uh, our garage door came apart, and uh, it was so old. It was a 1960 model, and uh, the uh, the the uh, pulleys. Uh, wore holes in them from the uh, wires. And I went and I bought a couple new pulleys put on there. I stepped back and I looked at that old wood garage door, which the weight has been, the moisture's kind of got into the wood, and it was just, and I stood back and I looked at it, and I said, you know what, it's time for a new garage door. And so my wife and I uh, went and was both those garage doors run us $3,300, praise the Lord, but they're vinyl, and they're not the old wood, and uh, I used to watch the wires on them, because if the wires broke, I would have to duck. If the springs would fly, I would have to get out of the way, and now I don't have to do that anymore, and uh, my garage door, every time it goes up, I, I swear I hear it say, thank you the garage door opener because that garage door was so heavy and trying to lift but it's great to have new things and new beginnings isn't it praise God and God wants us to have new beginnings Jesus says I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly praise God and it's new beginnings and and we need to change we need to learn to change and tonight I want to talk to you about uh, change, uh, we need it. We need to change. We need to constantly change. I'm sure that you're still not using your VHSs anymore. I hope that you are now using a more updated uh, version of uh, what there is. Praise the Lord. Um, and it's just amazing how that we've changed over the years. Uh, the other day, I was in, a, I think, a Burger King, and there was a young lady filling out an application. And uh, she said, uh, she put down that she was born in 20-something. And uh, she said uh, to her, she said, does anybody ever put down 19-something anymore? And I'm sitting there looking at her saying, yeah, uh, 1960 for me, young lady. Praise God. But uh, this change. Amen. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about change in life. And uh, life is a continual change. Do you realize that? Uh, we done things in the past, but thank God 
Uh, we change, and we need to continue to change. But there are some reasons sometimes that we won't go into change. Sometimes, amen, it's because we don't want to go through the work of changing. We don't want to have to struggle to change. And so it's a job to change, isn't it? When you change something, you it's a job. And when you change your thinking or your way of thinking or your way of life, it's a it's a job. And some people don't like it because it's a lot of work. But I promise you today that the work is worth, the effort is worth the change. Amen. And so to you know, so much easier. It's so much better. Number two is they have a sense of a loss of control. You know, when you want to change something, maybe it might be an attitude, a thought, a way of doing things, uh, a way of relating. Sometimes you feel like it's a loss of control. We become uh, attached. I remember when we had a gentleman come in and he redid the speaker system and the PA system in the church. And uh, we put new speakers up. We bought new speakers. And uh, he put them up. We put them up. And uh, we tried them out. And uh, uh, so and I, we had the old speakers sitting there hooked up. And I said, okay, how are we going to hook the old speakers in with the new speakers? And he just looked at me and he said, wait a minute. He said, I guess you're attached to them old speakers. You really don't want to get rid of them. I said, well, you don't understand. We really struggled to get those, and they were a blessing, and uh, they've been, and he's like, well, the problem is the old speakers are taking away from the quality of the new speakers. And he said, you've got to get rid of the old speakers. And I said, well, if we've got to get rid of the old speakers, then they must go. Sometimes we become attached to a way of doing things, a way of thinking of things, and we don't want to let it go, praise God. But we cannot let that hang us down anymore. Praise God. And number three, uncertainty. You know, I had a gentleman one time. He said, you know, I was counseling him. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, uh, I may be going through, uh, I may be going through hell in my life, but I know the name of the streets there. And, uh, and it's familiar to me. And so, praise God. Um, yeah, is someone hitting that door? Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll let you take care of it from now on. I'm... Uncertainty, praise God. You know, we don't like to be uncertain about things and to go into uncertainty. And so, uh, uh, and sometimes, amen, we don't like to do that. Praise the Lord. But if we would just venture out, Peter did not want to step out of a boat in which he was very sturdy on. He did not want to step out on the water, praise the Lord. But he would have never experienced being able to walk on the water if he would have never got out of the boat. There are times you've got to get out of your situation. You've got to get out of where you're at, praise God, to be able to get into an area. Peter now can say... I have learned to walk on the water. Amen. And he would have never been able to say that if he would have never walked out of the unfamiliar into the familiar. I hope this year 
that you take this year and you go into some areas that are unfamiliar to you, that you don't know anything about, something, if you have a fear, a fear of heights or a fear of, of, of different things, claustrophobia or whatever it might be, praise God, that you will get out and you will go forward and you will break those fears. Amen. And then, of course, there's the fear, fear of failure. When someone's afraid to fail. Hey, I want to tell you something. You know, when I started the podcast, I would start talking and I would fail it and I would talk and I would fail it. I would talk. I would fail it. I probably had a hundred or maybe even a thousand fails, but eventually I was able to get it and get it done right. Praise the Lord. So failure is a part of going forward and changing your life. Amen. And being better. Praise God. And so there's failures that come. And failures is part of the process. Amen. And maybe you've had past failures. Failures in your past. You said, you know, I've tried that. I've failed that. I've gone and I've done and I've failed. Praise God. Well, that doesn't stop, should not stop you from continuing on. Amen. Because failures in the past are in the past. You do not have to be failures in the future. I've often told people, I've often said, praise God, you don't fail until you quit. When you quit, you are a failure. Praise God. Amen. And then there are times that we don't see a problem with where we're at, our current circumstances. We're happy where we're at. You know, nobody in the world likes me, but I'm happy where I'm at. Nobody in the world wants to be around me. You get the point. But I'm happy where I'm at, praise God. I'm, I'm satisfied with what's in my life. And uh, we, we become happy with our circumstances. We should never get to be the age to where we become happy of where we are. We should be continuing to learn and to process. We should be continuing to go forward. Do you realize, praise God, that the Bible said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God doesn't want you just sitting still. God wants you learning. He wants you to go forward, praise God, and to continue on in the process. Amen. And then we were uh, motivated, praise God, sometimes by negative uh, um, negative emotions. Sometimes we can become <clears throat> so negative. And I'm telling you, there are things that have been said to me. There are things that have been done to me that has been negative, And it has almost made me want to throw in the towel. But when I push on and when things go better and things get better, I look back and I think, thank God I did not stop. I continued to go. Praise God. Sometimes we try to do it all at once. We try to eat the elephant in one meal. If it's a large thing, you need to take it piece by piece, time by time. Praise God. Situation by situation. I built a stone fireplace on the side of the house. I probably have 80 hours in building that stone fireplace. I used to come home every night thinking that tonight I'm going to eat supper. I'm going to rush out there and I'm going to finish that fireplace tonight only for the next night to come home, finish supper, thinking I'm going to finish that fireplace tonight. I just started to get the attitude 
that I'm just going to continue to do it until it's done. Piece by piece by piece. You look at a large job, you look at a large situation, something large you want to change, praise God, you just start piece by piece. The Bible tells us, consider the ant, thou sluggard. We look at this church building. We look at the ability to turn the heat on, the air conditioner on. We look at the ability to have nice windows, to have a nice floor, to have nice Sunday school rooms. We look at the ability, praise God, to be able to enjoy this building as much as we did. But I remember years of taking a table saw out and cutting those windows out. And I remember years of doing, putting plywood on the, on the walls downstairs, just little by little by little by little by little to where we are today. There may be somewhere you want to be and you think that is just too far from me. That is too much for me. Well, don't think about the future. The Bible says the word of the Lord. The word is the thought, the pattern, the plan. Every day, God's got a plan for you. He wants you better. He wants you to change. He wants you to be better than you was yesterday. And the Bible said, the word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And in 20 and 23, there can be some big things in your horizon that you think they're too big. Praise God. But I want you to know something. If you just take the first step, Amen. As the word of the Lord gives you that step. I don't know what 2023 is going to bring me. But I know what the next step is bringing me. And that's what I'm going to take in the Lord. And I'm going to trust him for the rest of my life. And I'm going to take it step by step. And eventually I know God is going to see you through. When you look at the elephant you think I cannot do this all at one time. No, you can't. But you can do it piece by piece. You can do it steady by steady. I know I've told you before, and I'm going to use it as an example. I do not learn right away. I do not grasp things right away. I don't know what it is about me, but I just don't. But I keep on and I keep on and I keep on until I can grasp it. So I can tell you personally, praise the Lord, I can be an example. I'm not telling you to do something that I don't do, praise the Lord. I'm telling you something that I try to do and I know you can do it. Praise God. Then we neglect what's called the toolbox in our change. There are tools that God has given you. There's the ministry. There's books that you can read. There's people that you can go to. It's your toolbox. When I go to work on anything, when I go to work on a wall, I go to my toolbox and I get my tools out and I work on that wall. When I go to work on my truck, I get my tools out. When I go to wash windows, I get my tools out. They're the things that help me to get the job done. God has given you a a toolbox. You have the word of God. You've got the ways of God. You've got books that you can read that will help you to learn and help you to understand. You've got the ministry in the church, preachers that will minister to you. Do you realize 
I can't tell you how many times I get a call on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday of somebody that has a question that if they would have been in Sunday night service, it would have been answered. But they said, you know what? I was just too tired to be in church. God gives you a toolbox. You need to use that toolbox. Amen. For your change. Amen. Amen. And then there are times when we don't commit. We do not commit. we just not committed to it. We're living in a world right now that that's pretty bad. People are not committed to things. They're not committed to marriage. They're not committed to church. They're, they struggle to be committed to God. They struggle to be committed to each other. They struggle to be committed to the things of God and the ways of God. Praise God. They're just not committed. They don't commit themselves. There's no commitment there. Praise the Lord. And you've got to be committed to a change. You've got to change. Amen. We have to say, Lord, I want to be better. Help me to change. Teach me, Lord, some of the ways that I must change and be better. And a new year is a good way to start it out in a new change. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to you. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to the things of God. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to the ways of God. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to the voice of God. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to the word of God. Lord, I want to be more dedicated to my prayer life. Lord, I want to be dedicated to more to pray. And you know, just just last night, amen, I, I, I my wife was taking a trip and I just prayed. I said, Lord, please keep her safe during this trip. Amen. Watch over her. Bring her back. But I don't know about you, but I am just so excited to see what Jesus is going to do in 20 and 23. You know, the Bible says that he will work things through us. According to the power that worketh in us. You know, God wants to do great things in our lives. But we have to be willing to do our part for Him to do that. We have to be willing to change. When the Lord wants us to change, we have to be willing to change. And we have to be willing, praise God, to let the Lord mold us and make us into the man we want to be. We sing that song, Lord... Take me and make me the way you want me to be. But I'm excited about what God is going to do for us in 2023. I'm excited because, amen, what he's going to do in me. I'm excited in what he's going to do in the church. I'm excited because, amen, of the new people that God is going to bring into my life, into the church. Amen. We've got the past. But we need to look forward to the future. So I have a question for you tonight. In 20 and 23, what do you want to accomplish? Do you have any ideas of what you want to accomplish? Do you have anything that you want to accomplish? Surely we're not going to just sit and say, Lord, I was happy last year. I'll be happy this year. Praise God. I have learned one thing. That when I feel down, the best thing that I can do is get up and go move forward. If I get up in the morning and it's 20 degrees outside and I can't wash windows, 
and I really can't do anything, I will get up and go get a donut and a coffee, and I promise you, my day is a lot better than sitting around and moping. Getting up and moving forward, praise God. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to change this year? Have you thought about it? Has any of that run through your mind? What do you want to accomplish? I just got a new book. It's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Everything's the small stuff. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to read it. Why? Because it's going to help me along with my Bible to, leave, to trust God in things. You, you need to set goals for yourself, both physical and spiritual. God, I want goals for myself. Maybe you want to find freedom in an area that you're struggling with. Maybe you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God. Praise God. If there's one thing, one thing that we need to really understand as a person and as a church, we need to understand Matthew 6 and 33. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The righteousness is a right relationship with God. And what's it say? And all these things will be added unto you. We wonder why God is not blessing us. Well, he gave us the power for him to bless us. And that is if we put God first. God will give us the desires of our heart. He will give to us. If we just seek God first. God, I am putting you first in my life. I am putting the things of God first in my life. Praise God. God will add to you the blessings of life. God will give you. You know what? When I was back thinking I was going to be a refrigeration, heating, cooling technician, and that's what I was going to do, and I was arguing with God, I was fighting with God, I stopped one time in a field, looked up at God and said, Would you quit, Would you quit working with me? I got my life planned out. And when I gave it to God, and God took me away to Bible college, and God caused me to get into the window clean business, and God brought me here to East Liverpool, and I found my place where God wanted me to be. When I put Him first, He knew what my desires was. He knew what I wanted, even more than I knew myself. And He said, if you will just put me first, I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you will put me before your job, if you will put me before your family, if you will put me before your friends, if you will put me before your desires, if you will put me before, praise God, everything else, he said, I will give you the desires of your heart. All these things will be added unto you. I, I mean, it's amazing to me. Praise the Lord. I, I, I want my greatest desire personally is for my bills to be paid and my family to be taken care of. That is my greatest desire. But if I seek him first, I could work 60 hours a week and not, that not be fulfilled. But if I seek him first, I can work 20 hours a week and God will take care of me and fulfill that. If I seek God first, 
You see, every one of us this year, God, every morning you wake up, God's going to give you 24 hours in that day. You have 24 hours in that day. Praise God. God punches in 24 hours in your account. What are you going to do with it? Do we take that 24 hours and do we just divide it up and then say, okay, God, here's what's left? Or do we take that 24 hours and we say, okay, the first piece of the pie is God's. The first part of my week is God's. The first part of my day is God's. The first part of my month is God's. I cut that out. I set it aside. That's God's. And then the rest is for me. Praise God. Amen. When it comes to 24 hours in a day, I think it is wise to budget it. Budget the amount of hours that you work. Budget the amount of hours that you play. Budget the amount of hours. Cut the time out for God. Wednesday night is God's time. Sunday morning is God's time. Sunday night is God's time. Praise God. And, you know, Thursday night is my time to be alone and to do what I enjoy doing. Just budget it out. Praise the Lord. And say, that's the way it's going to be. You put God first. And God will bless you. God will work in your life. God will move into your life. If you want your family saved, God will work on your family. God will work on your friends. Praise God. But we need to put God first. What happens is we get we so busy with life. And then we're so tired when it comes to the things of God. And then it's so easy to say, I just don't have time for him tonight. Or I just don't feel like, I'm telling you, I'm human just like you. There are many Wednesday nights when I go home and I look at my wife and I have studied all Tuesday nights so I'd be ready for Wednesday. And I've looked at her and I said, you know, it'd be very easy for me tonight to go in there and lay down and get a nap. I know what it's like. But if we want to do, if we want God to bless us, we're going to have to put him first. Praise God. Amen. Do we really understand or believe that God can bless us if we do the right thing? Do we really believe that God will bless me if I do the right thing? Praise God. It may not. If I tell the truth, it may hurt me right now. But God will bless me if I do the right thing. If I seek Him first. If I give unto him, if I love him, if I walk with him, if I talk for him, if I do the things, praise God. The basic thing is we all do what we want to do. We do it. We'll use excuses. Well, you know, it's because of this or it's because of that or it's because of them or it's because of them. And really, we all basically just face it. We all basically do what we want to do. We'll do it. We'll make excuses of why we've changed. But we'll do it. A professor came in one day. Amen. And he had a jar. And he asked the class. He said, he put these large rocks in the glass. And he said, is that jar full? Some of the class said yes. Some of them said, uh, no, not quite full. And so then he poured in smaller rocks around it. 
He said, now is the glass full. Well, he had more of them that said, yes, it's full. Then he poured sand around it. And now he said, is it full? And the majority of the class said, yeah, it's full. But some of them was like, I'm not sure where this is going. I'm not ready to commit. And then he took water out and he poured it in. And he said, now this glass is full of everything that can be in there. He said, the rocks were put in there first because they're the most important things in your life. And then he said, then the lower rocks was less important. Then the sand was less important. And then the water. And he says, if you want a successful life, he said, in your life, God will give you 24 hours. I'm telling you, you're talking to a man that can have more things to do than you can ever think about to do. Amen. But I back up and I say, God, I need to put the large rocks first in my life. This year, you need to put the large rocks first in your life and then go on down to be successful. In the ways of the Lord. Let me talk to you about the main message tonight. Praise God. Tonight we're going to be doing communion. Amen. We saw the old, we're seeing the old year out. We're going to watch the new year come in. I pray that we have some changes. There's a spirit that's, that's a very lackadaisical spirit that's in the air. I think COVID might have brought it in. About being in church, being in the things of the Lord. But it's a lackadaisical spirit that we're fighting. And, 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 and I'm not just fighting it myself. Other pastors I'm talking to are fighting it. Praise God. It's just kind of a laid-back spirit. Amen. And in that spirit, it's another step away from forgetting what God has done for us. It's getting away from the things of the Lord. Jesus didn't want to do that. Praise God. What if, what, what if, just think, what if the world would forget about Jesus tonight? All of a sudden, every one of us would not think about Jesus. If somebody would say Jesus, you'd say, who's that? Almost sounds like uh, some Mexican or something. Jesus? Jesus? Who's Jesus? What if the whole world forgot about Jesus? What if the meaning of his death, burial, and resurrection, we would lose it in our understanding? You see, that's what the Lord was afraid of. That's what Jesus was afraid of in the Bible. What if his forgiveness and his presence and, and the victory would vanish from our consciousness? Praise God. Hope would vanish that our sins could be washed away. What if we would forget that? What if all of a sudden all that was gone? It was, it was, it was gone with history, gone with time. What would it be like? See, the Lord was worried about that. Jesus was worried that that would happen. You see, because a memory is a balance factor in life. It's our memory. I remember this pulpit. I remember where my truck is. I remember where home is. I remember my wife. You know, when people start losing that, it's a horrible thing. But memory is the basis of life. It's what we live by is our memory. We remember things. Amen. Memory is our basis. And though we do not live in the past, we live by the past. We live by what we know in the past. 
You know, it's amazing to me. I'm 62 years old, but there are still things that I have learned as a child that has affected the way that I think and do things today. Praise God. We keep photographs. We keep mementos. We keep symbols, reminders. They're important to us. Praise God. Records of the past, sacrifices that we've made, things that we've done, things that we've cherished. You see, the Lord realized that, that and he did not want to be forgotten. He did not want what he was going to do that night to be forgotten. So the Lord instrumented what is called a thing called communion. Praise God. Because the Lord did not want to be forgotten. Communion is one of the most sacred, praise God, things that can be happened in the body of believers where their Lord was risen. It's something that we do with one another. We come together and it's more, just to eat. It's more than just eating the bread and drinking the cup. Praise God. It's the binding together and the remembrance of what the Lord did that night when he died on Calvary. Praise God. It's the experience of the heart and the mind that merges the church together and brings us together as one. <coughs> Paul brings it forward in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 20. It says, when you come together, therefore, into one place... This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, he's talking about dinner, when you come together for dinner. For in eating, everyone taketh before other has his own supper, and, and one is hungry and another is drunken. In other words, he drinks a lot, drinks, you know, a good bit. What have you not houses to eat and to drink in? He's saying this isn't a supper. We're not making a supper out of this tonight. He said, because in a supper you do it for a selfish reason. But he said, I'm going to be teaching you about communion because it's the opposite. It's an unselfish reason. It's a servant of one for another. You're to learn how that I'm to serve you. This bread is a representation of my body. This, 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 uh, this grape juice is a representation of my blood. Praise God. It's to remember what I'm about to do tonight because I do not want you to forget. Praise God. He said, you have houses to eat in. Do you actually make fun of the church of God, despise the church, church of God, and shame them that have not? That's one of the good things I like about us. We all bring food. It doesn't matter who brings it. Matter of fact, we all bring so much, we keep trying to give it away with each other. We hide it in each other's cars when they leave. Praise God. We have so much food around here. Praise God. But they were bringing food and they were saying, you can't eat because you didn't bring anything. And uh, he said, you, you know, and, and then you call that the Lord's Supper. That's not the Lord's Supper. He said, you have houses, eat in your houses. But what have you not houses to eat and drink in and despise the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Then he talks about the Lord. For I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. All along, Jesus is saying, Don't forget this. Paul is implementing this 
in 1 Corinthians because he's telling us, don't forget the importance of what Christ did on Calvary. Don't forget what Jesus did when he sat with his disciples that day. It was so important for the man that was going to betray him by the man of Judas that Jesus would take his uh, bread and dip it in the sop with Judas. Praise the Lord. Because he was trying to give Judas one more chance. For I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you. And Praise God. That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. When you do it, remember me. Honor me. After the same manner also he took the cup and had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, he doesn't tell us how often it needs to be done, but he does say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. As often as you do it. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. That word unworthily means without respect. That's basically what it means. Because there's none of us in here that's worthy to actually do this. But if you do not respect it, If you do not have respect for it, if you think it's a funny thing, if you think it's a game, if you think you're just playing, praise God, then you're eating it unworthily. The Lord, you know, it's just amazing to me. God's working with me on a thought. And that is, it's just amazing to me through the Bible how much Jesus loved and accepted Everyone. I'm going to preach on that sometime. How much he just loved and accepted everyone. Praise God. Jesus accepts everyone. Amen. That reverences him. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily or without respect shall be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. But let every man examine himself. You need, we need to examine ourselves tonight. And so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, not respecting the Lord's body. Praise God. Because when you take that bread, you're saying, I am taking this in respect of what the Lord did with his body. When you drink that cup, you're saying, I am taking this in respect of what the Lord did when he spent his blood. It is a sign of me saying, Lord, I remember, I appreciate it, I thank you for it, I'm grateful for it. Lord, there's a purpose in it, and I'm grateful. He says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And you know, it's an attitude. When you don't respect the things of God, when you don't respect the presence of God, when you don't respect the ways of God, then all of a sudden, all these things will come down on you. 
For if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. The Lord will chasten every one of us. What we should not be condemned with the world. Do not let us not have respect for the things of God like the world does. Verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together, eat. Tarry one for another. Wait on one another. Praise God. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when we come. All right, we're going to do communion tonight. Praise the Lord. So if, if you'll rise and come to the first pew at least, maybe the second pew. Praise God. I want you to know I love you guys today.